You're listening to Dietitian Power Hour with Morgan, Cody, and Libby. Grab a drink and enjoy. Welcome to Dietitian Power Hour. Today we have a special guest named Colin Whitaker. Colin um, was a classmate of ours at the University of Idaho, and we're so excited to have him today. And yeah, do you guys want to talk more about how we all met? Yeah, well, I think you pretty much summed it up. We were all, we took classes together. We did the dietetics program together, but we're so excited to have Colin today because he was our sports nutrition expert. Anything sports nutrition related, I reached out to Colin he is the guy when it comes to sports nutrition. So I'm so excited to talk about that today with him. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'll always remember our dietetics classes and us having to wash dishes for our <laughs> yeah. <that> rotation. <laughs> Highlight of my academic career. Yeah, I learned Free so labor. <laughs> yeah, and you were doing your master's at the time too, both you and Morgan. Yeah, it was a, it was a wild ride for sure. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you want, Colin, do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about yourself just your general background yeah absolutely um so yeah and when i mean grew up i mean i was kind of i was obese when i was in high school um, played sports so loved sports my whole life didn't really appreciate nutrition or fitness or anything like that um, ended up losing about 100 pounds got into exercise really started appreciating nutrition more so i wanted to go to that nutrition route um, didn't really know what i wanted to do with it though so I kind of found my way with the internship at the University of Oregon um, in their sports nutrition department. Um, so I went there as an intern, ended up being there for about three and a half years, I think. Um, turned into a full-time job, loved it, but realized I needed to go back and get my, my degrees. So went back to the University of Idaho, did undergrad and grad um, for nutrition and dietetics and exercise phys. And then during that time, I kind of bounced back and forth. Um, my mentor from Oregon is the director of performance nutrition for the Green Bay Packers. So I was bouncing back and forth working with them when I could, which was a great experience and opportunity. And then as um, soon as grad school wrapped up, had a job, job opportunity at Baylor University here in Waco, Texas, and been here going on two years now. And it's, it's been a huge blessing. It's been great. That is wow, that's that's... amazing. I had no, Colin, I like don't keep up with anyone. I had no idea you were at Baylor. So what's your position there? Are you so, part of a team? Uh, yeah, I come. Actually, I'm part of seven teams at the moment. Um, <laughs> so assistant director of performance nutrition. Um, so we have 19 varsity sports. Oh um, we have three full-time dietitians on, on board and um, it's a blessing. I mean, we're at a, we're at a spot in an athletic department that truly appreciates nutrition and is welcomed by each of our sports, but then you run into the challenge of navigating that many sports and, and getting all these athletes needs. So right mm -hmm. now I'm the, I'm the primary dietitian responsible for men's and women's basketball, baseball, soccer, acrobatics and tumbling and men's and women's golf. So quite a, wow. quite a variety Lots of different athletes, personalities, needs, um, seasons, all that kind of stuff. But it's a it's a lot of fun, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. That is so cool. You have such a wide variety of, like you mentioned, such a wide variety of athletics. Like all of those require such different types of training, and I'm sure like nutrition nutritionally are different. So sounds like a lot. Yeah, it it is. But like I said, it's fun and. I mean, you have sports that are high glycogen depleting sports, so you, <laughs> you push carbohydrates, you have other sports like baseball to where 
I mean, every position on the field is different, so their needs are different. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, golf is a completely different training philosophy and nutrition approach as far as, like, regulating blood sugar out on the course to not get shaky when you're going to do a putt, which is a very fine motor skill and things like that. So it's it's trying to to do all those fun things. Who would have thought that there'd be so much into every single sport and even, like, position-wise? I just never would have guessed there'd be that that much yeah, it's, it. it's something I mean I'm, I'm constantly learning as we go I mean I grew up playing baseball my entire life but didn't really think about the like the nutrition physiology of, of the different positions to where you have a pitcher who's if they're going seven innings it's a highly explosive um, type of movement that you're doing repeatedly versus I mean somebody that's standing in the outfield waiting for a play to happen Mm-hmm. So just you think about a nutrition. I was in the outfield. All those things. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Learning a lot still. Always going to be learning, but like to to try to apply nutrition as best we can. That is so cool. Also, in basketball, I was on the bench. <laughs> Cody, that's an important yeah. position. I worked that position. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bench guy myself when I played as well. <laughs> it's okay. I'd, I get out there with our, our basketball team right now. We're in the, the heart of our season. I've, I've played a couple players at horse, and I'm holding my own fairly decent. So nice. <laughs> Good <But> job. <laughs> I was always especially because you're like you're like the old guy now. These are all college athletes, the and yeah. you've I aged got out. Hairs coming in, and all those things, and yeah, it's, it's crazy. Wow. So, so you've mentioned a little bit about what you're currently working in. So in general, what kinds of opportunities are out there for registered dietitians in the world of sports? Is it a lot of, a lot, are a lot of the jobs in college athletics or I don't know? If... Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I mean, right now I'd say if you're looking at more of like the, the established sports programs, the collegiately, professionally, things like that, um, that's probably where you're going to see the bulk of opportunities for, for registered dietitians. And I mean, it's, we're a growing field. We are kind of the, the baby field in, in terms of athletics and performance because strength and conditioning has been, been established for quite some time now, athletic medicine into where we're the kind of that new up and coming mm. um, aspect and different universities, I think have, have different views towards it and different uh, support towards it. And different and sports welcome it in various degrees, but um, right now you're you're seeing a huge surge for for opportunities for registered dietitians out there amongst I mean everywhere among in the country from a collegiate setting and then professionally for um, professional sports organizations I mean NFL almost has a registered dietitian full time on every team mm-hmm. NBA you're starting to see that uh, Major League Baseball Major League Soccer NHL stuff like that so. And then U.S. Olympic Committee has, I'm trying to think how many dietitians they have on board, um, quite a few. But basically, I mean, in the next, I think the next wave, you're going to start seeing it in a high school setting as well. Um, so there's your, your top high schools around the country that they, they realize the importance of nutrition. And there's, there's a huge amount of opportunity. And that, that's just in a very, very specific, like I said, established teams, organizations and things like that. But um, a sports dietitian, or I mean, you'll commonly hear them say performance dietitian. Mm. Um, as far as opportunity goes, if, if you don't want to work for a team, I mean, because I will say the hours and seasons and stuff like that can can be quite 
I mean, quite extensive a lot of times. I mean, right mm-hmm. now I'm a, it's a seven day a week job for me, but you can be a sports dietitian that works at a private clinic um, that specializes with athletes, or mm-hmm. you can be a sports dietitian that works with Ironman athletes remotely. So mm-hmm. as far as opportunities for registered dietitians working with any type of athlete, um, my, my recommendation is find the thing that you are passionate about. If it's college, great. If it's you like working with golf athletes and that's what you want to specialize in, then look at the physiological physiological needs of a golfer and start networking and branching out and working with golfers and make it what you want to make it. But mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities out there. You just got to be creative and, and uh, there's, there's pros and cons to the job for sure. And glamorous moments and not so glamorous moments, <laughs> but um, like pushing around Gatorade all day long. Some days <laughs> because you got to make sure athletes are hydrated, but then there's other times where, you know, when I'm standing on the, the sidelines of a basketball court or a football game, for a, a top game that the, the whole country's watching. And it's a, it's a pretty cool. Moment. That's so cool. That's awesome. So do you get to travel with the team? Um, we do. And so, I mean, like I said, with having seven teams, I got to be very strategic yeah. um, with who I travel with. I've, I mean, soccer, I, I try to get on a couple road games, baseball, they, they welcome me onto everything that they do. Um, traveled with basketball. In fact, we're getting ready for a March madness. It's going to be a, a full on bubble. Tour oh, yeah. March 9th. And I mean, right now our, our team's doing really well. We're ranked number two in the country. Wow. Um, so we're, we're hoping to push through and, and make it to a final four. Um, but if that's the case, we would potentially be in this bubble for a month in Indianapolis, which is going to be a long time away from home, stuck in a hotel room, yeah. but it'll, uh, it'll be quite the journey. That's intense. We're excited. So, yeah. Sounds like such a fun job. It is. I mean, like I said, long hours can be long and it, it's not for everybody. Yeah. There's it, if you aren't, I think you have to be passionate to go through the day to days and the highs and lows of it. Um, but I love what I do. Um, and most, I mean, the colleagues that I have here at Baylor, they love what they do as well. So I think as far as a team goes, um, I work with some pretty good other dietitians and I've had great mentors and it's just, it's what I love to do. So for me, it's not working as much as it is just enjoying what I'm doing, but for other people, it might be, might not be viewed that way to each their own. Colin, I'm so, that made me so excited when you said that sports dietitians are hopefully going to start moving into high schools. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I've been working in a clinical setting with kids lately and we have just had so many eating disorder mm-hmm. pa- patients. And I think a lot of it, I think a lot of what's going on is you have coaches in schools that are kind of perpetuating some really not great nutrition advice. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think if, if we could get into high schools, <laughs> that would be like so beneficial, not only for the profession, just, you know, being more recognized and credible and reaching those kids, but it, it would help communities really and help hopefully, you know, reduce those, those numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually, as we speak, I'm trying to pull up the email. Um, there's a, a dietitian in New Orleans named Tavis Pelori, I believe his name is. Um, but he, he kind of specializes working with, with high school athletes. I mean, and he, there's, there's a listserv with a bunch of sports dietitians around the country and we just kind of bounce questions or if we need research articles, but I was reading something the other day and it, it kind of opened my eyes and it, 
it applies to me in the setting that I'm at because I'm working with kids that are coming from high school into a collegiate setting. And I mean, these freshmen, you look at the high, typical high school student athlete. And I mean, I think, I think I read a stat that said like 46% of them don't eat breakfast or don't have any food mm-hmm. up until the, the latter part of the day. And if you think about like the high school system and what it is, I remember you can't drink in class, you can't eat in class and all right. these things. And, and COVID probably just compounds that, but you think about where the end toward the, okay, these athletes come into a college setting and we anticipate them to, we need them to do X, Y, and Z. Well, they haven't mastered the fundamentals. They, they had to ask permission to drink water in class, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah. sitting here telling them that they need to hydrate all day long. So it's, I think if we can get more dietitians in the high school setting to educate, to advocate for, for high school athletes, or, I mean, just high schoolers in general, I mean, cause as dietitians, we all know the, I mean, cognitive effects as, as well as, I mean, all the other effects that nutrition plays. And if we can get high school students to eat better, you'll see better test grades. You'll see better, I mean, all those different things. And as well as hopefully reduced eating disorders, you have a dietitian on staff to educate coaches as well to, to mm-hmm. implement best practices. And that would be huge. Absolutely. It always blows my mind how, how little kids eat. And then if they are athletes on top of it, but their schedules mm-hmm. are so overloaded. They you know, are. often they have limited access to food. I mean, you can go to a vending machine at your school, but I, I've talked to so many kids who eat nothing before practice, you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe they've yeah. skipped breakfast that day too. It's crazy. Yeah. And then they, they backload all their calories at night and, mm-hmm. and not hydrating properly and stuff like that. But coaches will also be the first people to typically push things like supplements. And it's like, look, we, we got to master the fundamentals here before we start getting this guy on a protein powder, getting asked some questions about creatine and things along those lines. It's let's yeah. make these athletes to where they have three solid meals a day to support what they need just from a basis and snacks and things like that. And then we can start talking next steps with the supplementation. Absolutely. I feel like that's a good lead into our next topic. Actually, Cody, I have no idea what scan means. Oh, scan. I was just going to bring that up. It's the, are, are you Sports cardiovascular and something, what, what something and nutrition wellness is. nutrition. I think. I've yeah. never heard of that. See, I'm learning. Oh, Morgan, you are have. you sure? Did we learn that in school? It's, the, <laughs> it's the, the DPG for, for sports dietitians. Yeah, okay. So when, yeah, when Dr. Minor was at a uh, Heidi said that we all have to join it. Oh, a group that was naturally the one that yes. I joined. I probably joined the same one. I know I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was being super surprised, Morgan. I've heard of it, and I'm like the sports dietitian idiot. <laughs> so, like, the fact that <laughs> you haven't, like, you've heard of it for sure. <laughs> okay. I just didn't store that one in my brain. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was, Colin, I was just going to ask you if you remember. Um, I am a member, so I mean, I'm going to be truthfully honest and not to, to throw the academy under the bus because they obviously do great work for um, a lot of different aspects of for dietitians. But there's an organization called CPSDA. It's Collegiate and Professional Sports Dietitians Association. And that, I'd say, I, I lean on more um, as far as networking, looking for resources and things like that. Mm-hmm. They do an outstanding job um, just being a, a group of dietitians collectively. But I mean, and scans right there with it. Um, and I think they, they kind of look, they're looking to have more collaboration and things like that, from my understanding, but both of them are, are solid organizations to be a part of and to follow. Um, and yeah, I am a member of both of them. 
Cool. Yeah, if you're ever ever looking for resources, I mean, sportsrd.org, which is the, the CPSDAs, oh, yeah. they have a lot of infographics and just, I mean, very fundamental type type stuff, but the same thing as scans. Just if you're going to look for handouts or more information on, on sports or performance nutrition, you actually, you'll look and see at the bottom of a lot of them have like the CPSDA logo on the, on the scan website, just because there is so much collaboration between the two organizations. But I'd say for any, any dietitian or any individual in general looking for general sports nutrition information and resources, that'd be um, a great place to, spoke, to start. Cool. That's so good to know. That's cool. And I feel now that you mentioned it, I, I do feel like I've heard of it before. So <laughs> just had to Finally, jog your memory. Yeah. Yeah, the light yeah. came back on. <laughs> We have like a thousand acronyms a day thrown at us. So we're not judging Morgan. This is a safe space. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you kind of hinted at some of the stuff you do, but do you have like a typical day that you could walk us through or how do you like, Um, do you implement the nutrition care process or what does it look mm -hmm. like with, with these athletes? Yeah. I mean, and one of the things I love about my job is, I mean, I, I have nightmares about working a job that's the, like a factory worker or something where it's just the same thing day in and day out. Um, every day presents, presents a new challenge, a new opportunity, um, new interactions and things like that, which, which I thoroughly enjoy. But I'd say a typical day is, I mean, one, it, it depends on what sports that I have that are in season to where right now all seven of my teams are full go. Um, so it's, it's navigating travel and nutrition on the road and making sure these athletes are getting what they, all the support that they need nutritionally for the road from hydration to food, um, to supplements, things like that. It's navigating injuries. So, I mean, on the daily, I get injury reports sent to me from all my, um, from sports, the athletic trainers that are kind of, we walk through that. I look at what they're doing from a a sports performance standpoint or in the weight room with the strength conditioning coaches. So Mm -hmm. make sure we're on the same page, but it's, it's being around for weightlifting sessions to do a, a team education talk to the entire group, um, on, any topic that you feel is of, of importance or it's doing one-on-one counseling. Um, mm-hmm. we, we have a DEXA for body composition. So quarterly we do DEXAs for all of our athletes um, just kind of establish where they're at from a body comp and how they're responding to training. Um, we, we have a multidisciplinary care team to where we have mental health professionals, um, dietitians, and then, um, athletic medicine staff to if there's an eating disorder case or a reds case things like that we we work through that as well so it's it's all kind of thrown in the mix of a, a day-to-day and then it, it's attending games and um and that's that that to me is the that's the cherry on top of my profession i mean <laughs> i've been at, at basketball games the last two nights in a row and you have meetings and stuff during the day and, and counseling sessions with athletes and that's great but then it's fun you see all the behind the scenes work that these athletes have to go through mm. an athlete that's struggling with something, an injury or an eating disorder or this and that, but then you see them in their element out on the field or the court. And it, it's fun. It's fun to see them in, in their world of what they're here to do um, and what they're overcoming to get back out onto that floor, that court and perform the way that they want to. Ah, that is so, so cool. cool. It sounds like such a fun job. And I know you yeah. said it has its highs and lows, but it just sounds like it sounds like you're in your element and honestly it sounds like you're a great sports dietitian. I'm so happy that you found your thing. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's I mean, I like enjoying it and like I said, I'm learning every day and there's the different challenges. Athletes have I mean, 
different views yeah. towards foods. There's a lot of them like, no, nah, I'm never going to eat that. And, and you can't, mm. you can't convince me otherwise. And it's just, it's being patient. And at times it's, it can be frustrating because you, you feel like, you know, what's on, on what is best for them and to help them, but you have to understand yeah. where they're at too. And mm. that can be challenging at times. And it's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta push Gator ad around at times, but it's, it's just part, yeah. of, part of the job. Yeah, there you go. That way. <laughs> <laughs> So for, for like a, for, for Libby, I'm Libby. Hi. And I want to make some gains, man. Okay. So what, for someone who doesn't know much about sports nutrition Mm -hmm. or nutrition in general, if I wasn't, you know, me, (laughs) um, (laughs) what, what would you what would you tell me? Like I, I've gotten really into exercise. I'm going to the gym and I'm lifting once a day or I'm, or I'm getting back into tennis say, and I'm, I'm playing tennis for a couple of hours every day and then matches on the weekends. What for someone who doesn't know what the hell they're doing is kind of a generalized things that we should for sure make sure we're including in our diet, timing of meals, um, yeah, just, I mean, the whole thing. Just give me free education. That's what I'm looking for here. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd, I'd start, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, I think you're going to hear most dietitians preach the same messages. And that's, I mean, what, let's, let's make sure you have a good relationship with food to start off the bat. Because if I start throwing things like, hey, I want you to have complex carbohydrates at this time and simple carbs at this time to enhance performance and then this amount of protein and this and that, it, that's important and, and we'll get there. But I think I'd first start off by saying, I mean, do you cook? What do you, what do you like? What do you dislike? Um, I think there's a lot of mm. misconceptions about what is sports nutrition? What is performance nutrition? Um, it's gotta be broccoli, brown rice and, and grilled chicken. And that's not the case. And so I'd say, let's, let's start there. Let's talk about your relationship with food. Do you cook? Uh, do you enjoy cooking? Do you hate it? Who else cooks for you? Whatever the case may be. But then getting more, once we've established that and, and kind of getting that baseline from there, it's okay. You want to, you want to perform better and, and optimize what you're able to do and how you recover from it. I'd say well, foundation, we got to start making sure that you hydrate properly. Um, I mean, because performance is one thing, but you also put yourself at risk for soft tissue injuries when, when you're dehydrated. So it's making sure you have a good hydration protocol in place for that. Um, and then that you're, you're putting the right things in your body at the right time. So if you're getting ready to, to go perform, um, and, and let's say it's going to be tennis, that's a, a high explosive, doing a lot of quick movement. And even if you're slowly working your way back to where you feel like you're not as quick as your, your body's still doing very dynamic type things. Um, and that's going to mean you need carbohydrates to, to do that. So let's talk about carb timing. Let's, let's talk about your carbohydrate intake and optimizing that and, also having a healthy balance of fat and, and then protein for recovery. Um, you're putting your body through a highly stressful environment. Um, and I mean, breaking your body down essentially and proteins along with carbohydrates and fat are going to help build you back up. So it's, it's getting adequate amount of protein. I mean, does that mean you need to have a protein shake? No, I'd say if, if you consume adequate amounts of protein through food, then you're covered. Um, and do that space it out throughout the day. But if it there's there's a time and a place, and I, I refer to them as tools in a toolbox, as uh, one of the other sports-based podcasts that I listen to for nutrition, and that's that's how I look at food. It's a it's a tool, or, or different macronutrients, micronutrients, supplements. It, it's just different tools for different needs. So 
Um, protein is a big tool, but you don't necessarily always have to go to a protein shake. You don't need energy bars. You don't need all that. I would say, let's, let's start with food. Um, and then if you're finding difficulties with getting enough real food, okay, now let's talk about a supplement or a bar or, or something quick and easy on the, on the road. If you're driving to a tennis court after work or something like that, if you're kind of a weekend warrior and kind of just work through that process together. I love I love that because love I think that, I mean, we're talking about athletes here, but then also people that are just in, interested in working out and are pretty active people. And I think one of the first things they do before looking at their just overall diet is jumping to supplements. Like that's one of the first things. Mm -hmm. And so I love Absolutely. that you said that. Yeah. I've, I've gotten a lot of the, Hey, I'm ready to get back in shape. So I went to yeah. see your super supplements <laughs> and I got all this stuff and it's like, Okay, that's step like twenty six. <laughs> let's uh, let's focus on right. the fundamentals first. But it, you you typically are good. I don't. Maybe one day we'll get to a point to where if you say sports nutrition or, or fitness and, and nutrition, you have those associations. People don't think supplements. Um, I think that's the goal, and I think there's a lot of dietitians out there that are trying to change that stigma. But it's a mm -hmm. uh, it's a mm -hmm. it's a tough one to change. Um, just kind of write a passage, mm -hmm. but we'll get there. It's such a huge industry. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. I mean, in the marketing for it, and marketing. My my wife used to be in marketing. I give her a lot of credit. So yeah. They're good at what they do. And yeah. Supplement companies push that. I mean, Gatorade. I think is the the greatest marketing strategy <laughs> of all time. Um, I had, but, I had a an obese patient, who. I I was consulted on while she was admitted, which isn't ideal, yeah, right? I hate those. But, her her mom refused to let her do outpatient counseling with a dietitian. She didn't want to have anything to do with it. Interesting situation. But I had to complete this consult and I go in and and I'm talking about, you know, um looking out for added sugars and um sources of high fat foods and things like this to and, and I was focusing really on general overall health and and really trying to avoid hard conversations on weight with her, but she was drinking a lot of Gatorade and I was like, okay, so, and I asked her about her Gatorade and taking them. And she said something like, well, I need it. I was like, what do you need it for? And she's like, well, cause it has electrolytes. <laughs> and I was like, this girl was like maybe 16 years old. I was like, well, did you know that every single piece of fruit and bread that you eat also has electrolytes? <laughs> Exactly. But again, the, the marketing strategy of if you sweat, yeah. you're essentially you need Gatorade. And if you're feeling sick, what what is all of our, our go to's when we're sick? I mean, mom and dad, okay, mm -hmm. let's give you some Gatorade. Um, I mean, and, and Gatorade is what it is. It's a it's a tool. But in all honesty, it's like, yeah, there there are electrolytes in food and or heaven forbid, you maybe salt up your food a little bit more if you need to, if you need more sodium or something or you have a banana to eat your potassium or something yeah like and also things. i just think um, there's a time and a place for gatorade right like you know, just go on a oh, walk and then think you need a gatorade afterwards because gatorades are meant and calling you <laughs> too but like they're meant to replenish some major electrolyte loss yeah. major sweat and i mean in general especially for for anybody that's looking to lose weight. And I mean, and Cody, you touched on it about like, okay, talking about sugar intake, but it's funny that, I mean, that gyms, they sell it. And if you are, a, I mean, and 
you have to be honest with yourself. If you're, I mean, I'm a physically active adult. I, I try to exercise as much as I can. Do I need Gatorade to, to get a weight weightlifting session in or to go on a, a three mile run? I don't. I mean, I can, I can get all my fluids through water or something else. I can get all my electrolytes through food. Now, I mean, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to geek out on the science and, and as a sports dietitian, I do sweat testing. So I know that some athletes need high concentration electrolyte uh, beverages to, mm. to replace what they do lose. Um, but in general, if you're, if you are a weekend warrior, or just an active individual, that's great. I guarantee you don't need Gatorade. You can get it through food and through, through water. So true. I have a quick question. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that one of your first things when working with athletes is talking about their relationship with food. And I thought that was really interesting and awesome. I'm wondering for specific athletes like wrestlers or like gymnastics or things like that, where they might have a very unhealthy relationship with food coming into it. Um, how mm -hmm. is that? That must be hard. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I think so. I mean, we refer to them as like mm -hmm. weight specific sports and, um, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, aesthetic sports as well, like swimming and diving. Um, they typically, you see a huge, um, huge like association with eating mm -hmm. disorders and whatnot, but, um, even the acrobatic, so we don't, we don't uh, have wrestling, we don't have gymnastics. And I will say for wrestling, um, that in itself, I mean, you have, you have to respect the science behind what they do. Um, there's a dietitian named Clinton, Clint Wattenberg is the director of performance mm -hmm. nutrition for UFC. Um, and they have a performance institute in Las Vegas. I mean, and you, you want to talk about a guru that has to have these guys cut weight for a weigh in and, um, but then get them hydrated, get their glycogen stores back up for their fights and everything like that. It's, it's, it's an art in itself and, and, and science that I want to learn more one day, but I haven't had the opportunity to work with those type of athletes. So I'm, I'm not there yet, but, um, so we don't have gymnastics either, but we do have a sport mm. called acrobatics and tumbling. Um, my wife, she was actually, she participated in the sport um, some years back, but it's, it's a discipline of gymnastics. So you see a lot of, a lot of their athletes come from a gymnastics background. And um, there are, there are those that have, I mean, challenges with food um, based on their gymnastics background, unfortunately, but hmm. it's, it, I mean, and that's toward, I mean, leaning on a multidisciplinary care team and having registered dietitians that as consultants that specialize in eating disorders and things like that. But it, we do as much screening as we can to get these, know these athletes as they come in, um, which, I mean, there's, there's over 500 athletes, there's three dietitians. So we, we do the best that we can, but it's, it's starting simple. And Hey, what foods do you enjoy? What do you, what do you not enjoy? And that's what I, I try to make clear to all my athletes. It's like, look, Yes, I want you to be optimal, but it. I want to know you, and I want to help you overcome any challenge that you're currently facing. And if that's a fundamental challenge with just they have a, a, a tough relationship with food, let's let's work through that. Because yes, I want you to be over here, like way down the line, and and be there, but or be at a great spot. But if we have to work through these these challenges to get there, and that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I, um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else to say on that? Yeah, so no, that but was that was kind of a long -winded answer. No, no super interesting. I always wondered about 
those boards just seem like that would be the hardest. That would be really hard. So I was wondering what your take on that was. But I think from here we could shift a little bit because from our like people who listen to our podcast from their perspective, we have a few questions that might be relevant to them as far as like working more on like the workout side of things, um, timing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can jump into that. Um, yeah. I'm looking at our questions right now. Okay. So one of our questions is fueling for cardio versus running and lifting. Um, and so I'm not sure if they meant like pre-workout or post-workout, but maybe if we could just touch on both of those things and how they might be different. Um, yeah. Yeah. So running. Um, so cardio. I, mean, I, I can give, okay. I can give context. So okay. I have a, a friend who messaged me because she is currently just getting back into running. Um, not like soup, not marathons, but like 10 Ks, right? Nothing crazy. But then she mm -hmm. also started working with a physical trainer because she wants to get a little bit more into like strength training as well. And she asked me, she's like, what's the difference in fueling? What am I supposed to be doing differently? And of course, you know, her trainer is telling her to take supplements and stuff. So, um, which pretty much all I told her was don't listen to them and tune in <laughs> next week. Cause I don't have a good answer because sports nutrition <laughs> is really just not my thing, but. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say with that, I'm, I'll go for the low hanging fruit first. And that is, um, Okay, protein needs are, are going to be elevated regardless. So, I mean, if you're if you're running or you're doing a combination of running and strength training, I mean, running is extremely high impact regardless of the pace that you're running at. If you're a world world record setter or just, I mean, it's a run slash jog. It's a every single time that you run, it's it's a plyometric activity. So the amount of stress that puts on your body is big. Um, and then strength training, I think. I mean, strength training and protein commonly go hand in hand in everybody's eyes but like i said runners need elevated protein as well so if, if you are getting into starting to run let's make sure that you're getting adequate protein spread throughout the day to support what i mean lean body mass and recovery and all those type of things and and that's the easy one so check that box establish what that range might be like for that person um but then it's it's teaching them the like the different um mechanism or i mean metabolism of of foods based on the intensity of that activity to where if, okay, if you're going for more prolonged walks or hikes, things along those lines are there, they use carbohydrate as a, as a substrate. Absolutely. Um, but I think just based on the intensity level, you're also going to utilize a lot of fat and towards, I mean, okay. If, and you fuel for the work required. So if it's a lower intensity activity, like walking or jog, then, okay, you want some carbohydrates, but you also want good healthy fats put in there. So you can have, um, I mean, you don't need to, to carb load and have a big old plate of pasta to go for <laughs> a 10K jog. But carbohydrates, absolutely. I mean, and snacking on things like almonds or having to help like peanut butter, um, cheese, yogurt, something along those lines to, to get a healthy fat source in there too and, and kind of checking both those boxes. And then if, I mean, you start increasing your, hey, you're doing more sprinting type work or you're increasing your, the rate at which you're running, okay, well, now you're going to get more into to glycogen utilization and carbohydrates. So we want to up your carbs a little bit more as you start to progress. Um, and also from the recovery aspect of that, you want carbohydrate replenishment after a good good session, a good run um, combined with protein. And then for from the weight loss thing aspect, like I said, make sure you're getting protein, but 
you kind of got to judge the, the weight training activity itself. Are you doing, is it a light, quick, easy session? And then your needs are going to go down. If it's, if it's a full hour total body, you got your butt kicked, your, your trainers into <laughs> CrossFit or whatever the case may be. Um, your, your carbohydrate needs are going to go up significantly based on, on that type of activity. So it's, and that's why, I mean, for sports dietitians, I, I highly encourage not just learning nutrition, absolutely learn nutrition, obviously, but understand the physiological um, changes that these, uh, these individuals, anybody doing activity is going to be, be in. And that's, that's taking kinesiology and looking at that. And I'm not saying be a strength coach, but I think you have to understand what their bodies are going through and, and you kind of, you don't have to do it yourself, but I think it's beneficial. You know what it feels like, you know what your body needs. So I think you can um, mm -hmm. educate people on that a little bit more and you don't have to be a fitness model or anything along those lines to do it, but you have to understand, Hey, if I, if I go for a run on an incline, that's going to be a lot harder. It's going to use more carbohydrates and things like that than going for a run on flat ground in, in Florida or something like that. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's knowing, and, and that's just, that's knowing all the, the different variables that these individuals are going to go through, but having fundamental principles, okay. Making sure that you are putting fuel in your body and not leaning on supplements first. Let's, let's get food in there. Make sure that you're getting the right amount of carbohydrates to, to fuel for it and the right amount of protein and the right amount of fat. And, and like I said, hydration is always a staple. It's no matter what your, your hydration levels need to be there. For yeah. I think you summarized that so well, because awesome. we talk about this sometimes on the podcast, but we're in a joking way. It's so funny how people after a workout will just be like protein, protein, protein. Like that's the only thing they go for. And it's mm -hmm. usually in the form of a shake. So I'm glad you mentioned the other things that would be important to consume before or after a workout. Yeah. And, and my, I'm always, if, if you can have a meal readily available and if you can get done with a good workout and you have meal prepped, you're going to go home and, and cook something pretty quick after a workout. That's what you need right there. I mean, it, the, the notion of, Oh, I have to have a shake within 15 minutes to, to optimize my gains and all that kind of stuff. But research is showing that it's more about total protein intake throughout the day. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that's where I lean on eat, eat protein. And I'm not going to lie. They're, there can be major challenges mm -hmm. to, to eating adequate amount of protein. I mean, my wife is, is physically active and even telling her, it's like, Hey, make sure you're getting X amount of protein per day. And it's like, I, I can't eat that much protein. And to where maybe at that point, that's where a shake might come yeah. into play. Yeah. Um, just because their protein goes down are easy. a little more elevated. Yeah. And then toward in it, like I said, it's a tool and toolbox for, but I think it's, it is, it's just too easily leaned on and people that might, I mean, if, Hey, they're, they're a personal train for a long time. So I, I get all the variables that come up they're like, Hey, I'm running late for a session. I still, I want to get at least 20 minutes in. They do a decent 20 minute workout and they still feel like they need to get a protein shake afterwards. And it's like, well, <laughs> for an hour session where we did a, a pretty intense thing, you're not going to eat right now. Yeah. Have a protein shake with some carbohydrates in it and whatnot, but you came and you only did a 20 minute workout. You, do you really need that shake still? Right. <laughs> can you go have a meal, a well-balanced appropriate meal? Yeah. So what, what about timing of eating after a workout? Does it need to be like within, you just said not within 15 minutes, but um, you know, like within 30 minutes, within two hours, mm -hmm. what's, what's like too late to really maximize what just occurred? So that metabolic window, as far as, I mean, um, for recovering, uh, strictly, I mean, if you're going to talk protein and recovery, 
um, the window is a lot bigger than, than it's commonly known to be. But I think, and this is where truly learning, like whatever specialty field that you're in, if it's college athletics or if it's Ironman athletes, whatever the case is, I'm viewing it more as like, okay, basketball, for instance, we're, we're going through back-to-back games into our, yeah, I want these athletes, as soon as they're getting off the court, I want them putting something back in their bodies. And the reason for that is I know I need their body to recover mm-hmm. because they're going to go right back at it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I'm a person that I'm working out three days a week, um, and so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, okay, I know that it's tomorrow I'm going to have an off day. So I, I want my body to recover, but I know I can go eat food and I don't have to have this quick turnaround toward mm. high intensity athletes. Or if you're doing aggressive training, like Ironman training or something like that on your own, chances are you're going to be training day in and day out. So you want that recovery as soon as you can just to start that process. Um, and so if that's the case, then yeah, go get food as quickly as you can. That way you start that recovery mm. process and get yourself ready for the next day. But if I'm not going to do much the next day, it's I work an office job and be sitting down. I'm just going to go towards food and, if I can get in sooner rather than later, great, but don't feel like you have to rush home. And that's the first thing you have to do. Um, but at the same time, if, if you're, if your hunger cues are elevated because you did a good workout, some people respond differently. Um, they get done with the workout and they're like, man, I'm, I'm starving. I need to eat something. Or some people, they feel honestly nauseous or sick to their stomach. Mm-hmm. At that point, I don't try to push something on them. I, it's like, okay, well, Let's just make sure that over the course of the day, you are getting adequate amount of nutrients to, to support the recovery of, of what you need mm-hmm. and get yourself ready for it down the road again. So it, it's, and it, I mean, it's a complicated answer, but as we know, as dietitians, it's not a one size fits all to where it's like, oh, every person within 15 minutes, you need to do this. It, it, it kind of depends on what's going on and what they need. Yeah. It sounds like so it's highly so. variable depending on like, the athlete, the type of training they're doing, the person in general. So there's a lot of things that could probably impact that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really absolutely. interesting angle with just like getting that, like kickstarting that process if they have to be back mm-hmm. at it the next day. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's why, I mean, the sports dietitian, you, you got to make sure that the product's available too, because if you're telling these mm-hmm. athletes, hey, make sure you recover, but it's not there for them to grab. I mean, I can walk you through the day of the life of an athlete and I promise you, you know, they're not going to go to the store and do it. They don't have the time for it. So it's, it's honest to have it there. And, and, but they, they get it and they buy into, okay, I need to get this down to, to start that recovery process mm-hmm. and get ready for the next day. So for someone that's working out, like your average person working out four or five days a week, weight training mostly and some cardio, what would you say after like a weight training day that they should eat after their workout, like specific foods that might be beneficial because you mentioned potentially both protein and carbs. Um, like what are some good food examples that you can think of for someone to eat after a workout? Gotcha. Um, I mean, it, and this is where it's fun. It's knowing, mm-hmm. knowing the person, knowing what they like. I mean, mm-hmm. any type of protein. So if it's chicken, fish, I mean, it, obviously red meat, I wouldn't say consume all day, every day, but I mean, you have it in moderation and, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that, but it's okay. Let's, let's choose our protein source. And I mean, it can, if it's a smaller individual, I mean, 20, 25 grams might be sufficient. And I think that's another common misconception. It's like, oh, I you need 20 to 25 grams. You can't absorb more than that. Well, no, you, if you're if you're a 275-pound offensive lineman or tight end or something like that, you, 
your body can up right. a lot more protein than the 20 grams with it. So maybe we're going to push for more 40 grams. And so let's, okay. And your, your serving of protein is going to get bigger at that point. And, um, from a carbohydrate standpoint, I mean, it, if you want to talk simplicity, I mean, one of my, my favorite things to go to is I do chicken teriyaki, a bunch of brown rice and, and mm. steamed vegetables and kind of mix that all together. Mm. I'm, I'm having good carbohydrate sources and to, to replenish glycogen to get my energy levels up back up and help shuttle protein in my muscles to recover I'm getting protein in there, um, getting vegetables for antioxidants, anti-inflammation, getting all the, the micronutrients and then some type of sauce or cheese with it. So you're getting a good healthy fat source as well. And it's, it's a well-balanced meal. If it's scrambled eggs with vegetables and toast and avocado, that's, that's a well-balanced meal. It's a great go-to. So it's just, you find what you enjoy and again, it, stigmas of it's nutrition for athletes. It needs to be so clean and chicken plain. And, and rice and that's it. Yeah. And plain it's no, and enjoy it. And that's my mentor in green Bay. I think he prides himself <laughs> on being a chef more than he does. I love that. Oh, just cool. A, a straight up dietitian. And it, it's so cool. to just... Colin, can you we lost you. Oh, oh, are you there? Now we can. Yeah. Sorry, my phone cut out, but um, it's, he does a great job of showing like, Hey, all foods, if you do it right, can support what you were trying to achieve physically um, and, and athletically. So it's, you can put a healthy twist on it. That's, that's such an important like skill too, because I think at the end of the day, people understand food and that's really what they're dealing with. Not so much the nutrients like that can be really abstract for people. And it's just, it's much more helpful, I bet, to yeah. to focus yeah, that, on actual I've examples. I've heard a good quote numerous times, but there's a, a guy over in the UK that talks about it. And he's like, we, we don't eat carbohydrates, protein, and fat, and micronutrients. We eat food. So, and that's that's yeah. what you have to, to get across to these people. Yeah. It's like, this is this is what you need to be doing. Not Don't focus on macros and all this kind of stuff. Let's let's talk about just general food and, and different types of food and why it's beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but again, it's... It, every individual that you're going to work with is different and at a different level with all those things. So it's some people will get that. Some people won't. And I mean, I had a long conversation with an athlete today to where I'm trying to, to make that. And she's just, Hey, I, I just need a meal plan. I just need it on paper. And I need something to follow. And that's not typically the way, the route that I like to go um, because it, it, it creates too much. Like this is a very narrow thing. Like, Oh, Colin put this down for this day. So that's what I'm going to eat every day. It's like, no, let's, let's talk about different things mm. and, and different foods and how we can incorporate those to, to support what you're trying to achieve. But she's still adamant. She just wants it written on paper. And it, I respect that. That's She likes likes detail, likes to follow rules and very specific instructions. So it's mm-hmm. understanding like, okay, <laughs> that's what she needs to be successful. Then I can, I can make that happen. Yeah. Some people just thrive on structure. They do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've been that person at times. Yeah, like, no, I, I need to know exactly what I need to do. It needs to be written down for me. Um, otherwise, it, it it's there's too much left to chance and the unknown. But right, mm-hmm. Colin, I have a question for you, and this is not necessarily sports nutrition related. But you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you lost like a ton of weight, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And I remember you mentioning that in class. But I'm wondering, like. How did you do that? Because weight loss can be so hard. And we talked about it in our last episode. 
how hard weight loss can be um, to even maintain. So that's really impressive and awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I was completely uneducated. I mean, I was a senior in high school. I, uh, I couldn't run one lap around the track without feeling like I was going to pass out. And so I, I started with, I mean, fundamental movement. It's like, hey, I want to be able to run a mile nonstop. So woke up every day, got on the treadmill and, and thought that was the way to do it. And and went from, I mean, it, I ate fast food literally for breakfast, lunch, and dinner as a kid. And so mm-hmm. just focusing on, I, would, I hated vegetables. I hated, if it wasn't fried, I didn't want it. Um, but just focusing on more real food, whole foods. Um, I mean, and, and salads, I'm a, I was a high school kid. So it's like, oh, salads are healthy. That's what I'm, so I'd even go through Jack in the Box and get a salad to where <laughs> down the road, you look back and you're like, Okay, yeah, nice. uh, 1,600 <laughs> calories and 1,600 milligrams of sodium and things like that. But <laughs> hindsight is always 2020. Yeah, exactly. But, but also some veggies. No, I think just, I mean, overall, <laughs> I reduced my intake compared to what I was putting in mm-hmm. um, and, and just became routine with that. And I mean, I, I've been through different stages. I've been through unhealthy phases to where I'd, I'd purge after meals if it was deemed unhealthy. I mean, if I, if I had a slice of pizza, oh, that's, that's not going to help me get my six pack, so... At a, and it, it wasn't the best way to go about it. And I got extremely lucky because I didn't go too deep down that rabbit hole. But I've, I feel like I've been everywhere in between, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm currently not not in a place where I feel my greatest, but I know I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just it, I mean, and that's life. Mm-hmm. And that's we all. And I think that that's part of my frustration is they're like, oh, you're a dietitian, but you don't have a six pack or this and that. And it's like, look. And just because I'm an RD doesn't mean that I'm going to have a six pack just like that. I still have all kinds of variables in my own personal life that I'm a normal human. Um, mm-hmm. and even, even though my passion's food and nutrition yeah. and getting people healthy, it, it doesn't. And it, that, and that is a frustrating stigma with dietitians. I think they first look at your appearance and I mean, maybe they'll write you off if they don't feel like you are that person that practices what you preach or, or things along those lines, but it, it's, it is complicated. And it, I think that speaks volumes for dietitians that we can say, look, I'm, I'm going through this myself or absolutely I've, I've been through this and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Or I'm healthy, but I don't look like exactly. your image right. of what you think it should be, you know, like the, yeah, just I mean, the cover off the magazine. <laughs> well, which, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm so bad at like sports, but like a, a lineman on a professional football team, right? They yeah. are big freaking yeah. dudes and they're professional athletes. So we do have like the stigma of, oh, are you healthy? And it's like, well, that person, maybe they don't look like like our typical pinnacle of health, but they get paid to be a professional athlete yeah. who performs at a super high level every yeah. single day. I mean, those, those guys' are just... Yeah they're crazy, but yeah, just cause they don't have a six pack doesn't mean you're not, not healthy and exactly. things along those lines. So, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, the whole body image that's we're doing and having, again, being a Baylor, it's, it's a blessing in the sense of, I think they want um, the whole, the holistic approach towards making sure these athletes are aware of all those different in it. Our, our uh, director of mental health services, Dr. Monique Marsh, Monique Marsh Bell, uh, goes around and doing team education talks on body image because um, mm-hmm. like oh you're an athlete that means you have to have a six pack right and it's, no you can you can be the best performing athlete and not have a six pack mm-hmm. um, and and honestly chances are at times mm-hmm. depending on the sport that that's going to be the case right um, so 
I love oh, I love hearing that from someone who's actually working in real athletics too, because it's it just brings it back to it's about well, the performance, not what you look like. Exactly. Like and being and healthy that, is what you can do. Just hit the hammer like right on the head. It's it's optimal and it, it's it's being the best you performance doesn't necessarily translate to physique. And I, I think that's I mean dietitians that yeah. I mean you can call them sports dietitians if you want and some of them refer to that, but dietitians that work in a gym setting. I mean, in the gym, I think is where you're going to see more of your, like your figure competitive athletes, which, and, and that, like I said, that's a, that's a science in itself an art and an extreme discipline, but it, it's completely different. That person's physique might be outstanding, but go put that person on a basketball court and try to have them mm-hmm. run up and down the court with these athletes that don't have six packs and they're going to get blown <laughs> away. So yeah, just your, your appearance doesn't right. really translate to performance or health. I love yeah. that so much. <laughs> Write it down. Put it on Write a T-shirt. On the back. We should have Dietitian Power Hour merch. <laughs> yeah. Can we just like have Colin's face with a little speech bubble? I can see it now, and it's lovely. <laughs> I love that. Okay, guys, we're at we're almost at an hour. Do we have any other questions for Colin? Oh my gosh, uh, I feel I, like I, I did want just to ask... went to a seminar. I feel I know, Colin, you're doing so great. This is so educational. I love it. I yeah. wanted to ask just really quick about supplements mm-hmm. and like banned substances. Is. is that a Absolutely. big deal I mean, it, with these athletes? Fundamentally, I mean, and that's, again, you got to have these athletes trust you and know that they, that you truly care about their well-being. But you have to also understand these, they have a lot of people in their ears. They've had trainers and coaches and people with agendas coming up. And, and I think, mm. especially in the pro setting, um, you get a lot of people that have agendas with pro athletes, but it's, Hey, my, my trainers recommended this. Or when I worked out as a kid in high school, my, my coach made me take this or, and said, that it's going to help me with blah, blah, blah. And it's understanding. It's like, okay, look, supplements. Yes. Time and a place. Safety is paramount. And especially as a collegiate, collegiate athlete, you're getting tested for banned substances now. And so having third-party testing on your supplements, like an NSF or informed choice, um, are kind of the, the gold standards mm-hmm. go-to for, for any supplement. And it's one of those we – there might be – okay, there's, there's creatine. I love creatine. I'm all for it. But you can buy an NSF a certified creatine powder for the same exact price as a non-certified one. Why wouldn't you go with the one that's certified just to ensure – I mean, and I'm speaking to general population too. It, mm-hmm. If it has that third-party certification, you know what's in the supplement. Whatever it says on the ingredient list, that's what's mm-hmm. in there. To where there's people that make supplements in their basement. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they might say they're putting X, Y, or Z in there, but you don't know. And <laughs> you truly want to put that in your body if you don't know. Mm-hmm. I always think of that with like the little Walmart brand of supplements yeah. i'm like hmm to where it's, <laughs> i don't know about it's that. especially as, as a collegiate professional athlete um it's i mean best practice so we, we don't give anything out unless it's third-party tested and we make athletes kind of sign a, an agreement that they'll run all supplementation through us so that's i mean a day in the day in the life of sports oh, oh, wow. getting blown up with pictures of hey i'm at this store can i buy this is it safe so, well I, I might reckon, but the supplement industry is so big. I'm like, I'll be honest, I've never heard of that. So I, I got to do some research real quick and let you know. But, I mean, chances are I always, I mean, and it, I don't tell them yes, I don't tell them no. I educate them on here are my concerns, here are the possible benefits. 
here are the risks and let them make that decision, mm -hmm. um, educate them, empower them. That way they're not going to necessarily lean on me for, Oh, I, I have to run this by Colin first. It's let me educate you first and, and, and go that route. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Probably oh, so important to maintaining that trust too. Absolutely. Great. Well, do you guys have anything else you can think of? I don't think so. I think we've hit most of our talking points and all the questions we had. That was awesome. 